Welcome to Native Calgarian. Today is January 5th, 2020, so Happy New Year! Happy New Decade! Woohoo! So, there's this thing going around the internet, and I was born in the 70s, so 70s, 80s, 90s, 1000s, 10,000s, or, or sorry, uh, ten, the 10s, and now the 20s, so I've been in six different decades, but I'm only 43. I, I had to like count that on my fingers like five times, and every time I still do it. So, welcome to Native Calgarian. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. Blackfoot south of the imposed U.S.-Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are now Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatories that include Blackfoot Confederacy, Stony Nakoda, Wesley Chiniki Bearspaw Nations, and the Sutina Nation. I acknowledge all First Nations, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. Hoki, Mekoches, Chestokom, let me try that again. Mekochi, Chestokom, Aki, or Red Thunder Woman in Blackfoot given to me in ceremony. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. I honor the Blackfoot. My name's Michelle Robinson. I was born in Calgary as Michelle Elliott, a very English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother's name is Northern Slavey Dene, or sorry, my mother is Northern Slavey Dene. I think I said name there. Um, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. My, my father is so Canadian that I'm the daughter of a Mayflower, of the Mayflower, and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act imposed status card. I acknowledge my Dene lineage and that I was born in Calgary, but my family is not part of the Treaty 7 signatories. My Dene lineage roots me up in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I am a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a, vi a visitor to this area called Klincho Tine Indahe in my Satu Dene, meaning horse many horse town, uh, named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are really critical to acknowledging who you are in relation to the world and also just creating a safer space for Indigenous, but the bigger picture here is also is is honoring whose lands that you're on and uh, the Blackfoot are the keepers of these lands. And, you know, I don't even know if I like to call myself a guest, uh, <laughs> political refugee, um, honored that the Blackfoot have taken me in through ceremonies and and just kindness, kindness guide, guiding, guiding me. Um, I think of the Sutina here, uh, I think of, there's so many, uh, elders that are out on the Stony, and I've been really welcomed to Treaty 7 by so many people, and when I do a land acknowledgement, it's to honor them, it's to honor them being kind enough to recognize this, uh, you know, little lost Indigenous girl who has potential, and I, don't, I just believe that our elders are just kind people. Anyway, I just want to say thank you to and, and honor the, the land that I'm on. I wish everybody would. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I just share what I know as I'm walking my journey. If you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything we talk about today or and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is toll-free and open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Non-Indigenous, there are distress lines in your area too. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Huge thank you to my previous donors for already showing your support. If you value listening and can afford to give, thank you. To those that who cannot afford to give but listen in, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, or you can send in your comments or questions. We are also on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. just want to give a quick shout out to my super loyal donors of Adam, Alexandria, Beatrice, Brian, Celine, Diana, Jocelyn, Judy, Kenna, Leah, Mar Marisa, with one S, um, Natalie, Nathan, Phyllis, Rebecca, The Sprawl, 
Tiffany, Vanessa with 1S, and Victoria. So again, happy 2020. I was looking at some of the things that have happened since, uh, I mean, it's just been a few days, really. I feel like since I released my last podcast, but, you know, so much happens. And I'm really glad my husband encouraged me to have a podcast because we can't even fit it all in in a short hour show. But uh, I get tired of listening to me, so we got to cut it at a certain point. <laughs> um, since January 1, we've had 121 downloads, lots of international. Um, and so we're thinking they must be Indigenous people. Uh, in Mongolia, they have we have more downloads in Mongolia than we do in the U.S. So just want to give a shout out to you all across the globe. Thank you for listening. I'm really honored that for whatever reason you chose to download mine. Um, and I'd love to talk to you. If you want to send me uh, an email, nativeyyc at gmail.com or a uh, message. I'm, I'm on like all of the, you know, TikToks and everything. I'm not really great at being able to reply back when it comes to Podbean. I don't know how to make that work yet. But I, for example, I had a friend, Adam, one of our loyal listeners, and he, uh, he told me he got a <laughs> Facebook timeout for calling out racism. So one, good job, Adam, everybody should get suspended for calling out racism. But two, um, I just want to encourage people to see like, that's what allyship actually is, is that like, I can't be everywhere, and lots of Indigenous can't be everywhere, and even if we are there, then we're dealing with being, you know, the racism as opposed to the fact that we just want to, you know, live. Um, so shouldn't always be our job to call out racism, especially during the holidays. So anyway, big thank you to, and shout out to Adam for one, commenting, two, the reason why you commented. You know, I, I'm glad that you're trying because I think that uh, that's what allyship actually is, is that, I mean, I learn every day uh, how, what not to do, what to do, what I can, you know, go to bed sleeping with because, yeah, there are times I interact with people and I just feel so awful. Um, Anyway, thank you for doing with that. We'll talk a little more about cultural safety. Well, I always talk about cultural safety. That's what that is. Uh, there's a good meme going around about cultural safety and just hanging out with and chilling with somebody. You don't have to be, you know, in somebody's face. You can just chill with them so that the racist, whoever is attacking them, feels disempowered. And uh, the person being attacked feels empowered. Anyway, really encourage everyone to Google cultural safety so that you can be a good ally. If you see a Muslim woman or a person with a disability being uh, spoken down to anything, and it's not okay. I don't know why we have to teach this, but we do. Um, you know, it, it's one thing to be taught to be kind to others, but it's another to really understand the intersectionalities of other people. And I don't know why kids get it so well, but for a lot of us adults, we have to like unlearn awful things that we've been taught that some people are somehow inferior um, I, I hate that. Yeah, even me, I'm guilty of doing that. So anyway, um, <clears throat> as we talked about in our last episode, where we talked about some of the, you know, most downloads we had and such, um, Frozen 2, hey, I, I don't know if I'm going to quit talking about that. I, it was such a, like, popcorn episode. Anyway, maybe that's what people want more of. Uh, and in, if you do, in this case, you should know that uh, I was born in 1977, so I'm a child of Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars can do no wrong. If I see people saying negative things about Star Wars, one, I just I just know you're not a real fan, FYI. And to all those who are like, oh my god, I'm so bad, but we can give critique. I'm like, no, you can't. Nope, no, you can't. You don't understand the gravity of what Star Wars was for the movie industry. You don't understand. Um how it's about a story of intergalactic colonialism. You don't understand how it's a story of hope, especially the last one at the rise of Skywalker. <sighs> I don't know whether I should be giving out spoilers, so I'm going to try really hard not to. But I am, I'm telling you, I had to watch it twice because um, minimum, I mean, anyone who really loves Star Wars has to watch any Star Wars movie minimum twice. But in this case, you really have to, and I'm not going to tell you why, but let's just say for a moment, I, I couldn't breathe. I was like trying to figure out how I'm going to not have like a public meltdown in public. Um, 
and and the and the gap between why I felt that way to the reason why I didn't have to feel that way felt really long and I couldn't hear anything in the movie until they finally finally like showed us something and I I ugh, I'm trying so hard not to give you spoilers people go see Star Wars and you know and and anyone who's a real fan will know exactly what I'm talking about and you can send me your comments questions whatever that is we will clear that up asap Another wonderful thing that happened over the holidays was Mandalorian and Baby Yoda. The introduction of Baby Yoda to all us, all of us. So that's like, I mean, I'm not spoiling it because anyone in the indigenous world knows all about Baby Yoda. So we don't know um, the creature's name, anything like that. But imagine Yoda only as a baby. And it, it's not Yoda, obviously. We're just all calling it Baby Yoda. So we don't know if it's actually a girl and we don't know its bigger picture, but it most definitely has all the force in it, for sure. And it's adorable. And the the story of Mandalorian is amazing. So if you, uh, especially all you Boba Fett, um, you know, people out there, <sighs> love to hear your thoughts about the Mandalorian. Um, I, I can't get enough of it. I'm so sad the season's over. I'm glad they're going to have another season, but I don't know. It just feels like that's too long. Like from now till fall, I don't know. That That's just way too long for me. So, I mean, I'll have to make do with Disney+. Plus. Anyway, this was a lot more conversation towards Star Wars than I ever expected I would put on this podcast, but I don't know. I'm a huge fan, always will be. Uh, Baby Yoda is like this new thing that happened. Uh, if you guys are on TikTok, then you know the TikTok song that is all the time, gets in your head, an earworm that will never leave. Baby Yoda, baby Yoda, baby Yoda, baby, baby, baby. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry for butchering that. My job also in having this podcast is obviously to embarrass my daughter. So I'm sure she's not listening. Actually, as we found out in the last podcast, there's a lot of people, friends and family, don't listen to your podcasts. So folks, if you think you're going to have a podcast and your friends and family are going to listen, you're wrong. They don't listen. They do not listen. <laughs> anyway, so there are actually a lot of serious uh, things to talk about. So that unfortunately, that might be the best uh, jokes I get for the day in my podcast today. Um, a lot of shit went down over the uh, last couple of weeks. Um, so as it turns out, the University of Regina had a lecture scheduled for January 23rd. And I don't know, I don't, you know, obviously, as somebody who's not in even Saskatchewan, so Saskatchewan's the neighboring colonial province, um, neighboring, neighboring, but also that's the, my dad's uh, home province. So he's actually from Yorkton, Saskatchewan. And, uh, so I actually do have some roots there, but my grandparents uh, both passed away and they had um, a place in uh, way down in Texas and uh, Mercedes, Texas. They had a place in Saskatchewan and when they passed away, it was a legal nightmare, all I can say. <laughs> but, um, you know, I I, uh, I do have some, some ties there. My, my, gran my white grandfather, he was on the base there. I, it's hard to always tell what stories he told were right, what, like what were true. Um, it sounded like he had, you know, some, some, some days it sounds like he was like total, you know, military top dog when it came to intelligence, which would explain why he did not want me to get my status back in 80, 84 or 85. But, um, you know, it, whatever it is, what it is. We have some ties there, but not enough for me to like really know the folks at the University of Regina who are hosting some lecture. Well, who were supposed to be hosting a lecture on January 23rd. Uh, but it became a huge issue for the Indigenous community. And I don't know if uh, the non-Indigenous really understand why. Um, so this is going to be really awful and triggering and talking about violence against Indigenous women. So my apologies to anyone listening. You actually just may want to turn off the podcast at this point. But I just want to say thank you for listening. Okay, so for those who stayed on, I just... Uh, Pamela George was a young uh, 28 mother who 
was beaten to death by two white middle-class men, Stephen Cumberfield and Alex, I can't even say his name, Turnonawaski. Anyway, they, uh, they unfortunately lured her. She was, uh, you know, she's a single mom and, um, back in 1995 felt that she had to, uh, do sex work. And I don't blame her one tiny bit because of the way the colonial system um, actually marginalizes Indigenous women. Indigenous women economically are the most marginalized people in Canada. And as a result, because a lot of them are our mothers, they have to go into sex work. Not all Indigenous women are sex workers. Don't, I don't want to give everyone the wrong idea there. Um, I know for a lot of, uh, a lot of folks, that's what they think of. I, <laughs> I remember being in grade three at a sleepover and, uh, you know, it was one of the first times we, we did our makeup on each other. And one of my so-called friends was like, I can see you becoming a sex worker, a prostitute hooker, whatever they would have said, derogatory terminology then. And it really hurt my feelings because I didn't understand why they would say something like that. that that's like an example of that, you know, racism and sexism that was internalized as kids growing up in Sylvan Lake. And I'm not really understanding that shit at the time, right? Um, but that's what was said to me and it always hurt me. And, uh, you know, it's something I think about a lot because we do have a lot of missing and murdered Indigenous women that were, I argue, forced into sex work because of colonialism. And uh, here, you know, I, I actually don't even think it's arguable. It's non, non-debatable. But uh, for a lot of people... They still think that people make choices to do that shit. And for people who say that, I think they're the most privileged, pompous fuck faces ever. So unfortunately, um, we can't really have a discussion about it because you have no concept of what you're talking about. Um, most people don't know anything about Indigenous people. They don't understand the policies imposed on us. And, um, and then have the audacity to judge us for, for working in sex work. So... You know, for Pamela George, to me, here's a young mom forced into sex work so that she can feed her kids. And people actually judge her for that because that's Canada. Canada does such a great mind job on propaganda and these bullshit Christian values that they imposed on us that they actually think it's acceptable to say that to people. And my so-called friend, just so you know, was a really good Catholic girl. So... As funny as it was, when I was growing up in Sloan Lake, there was like 2,000 people and there was like eight Christian churches. And a lot of the kids knew which Christian church the kids went to or if they went to church at all. And you have to remember, like, Little House on the Prairie was blaring on the TV all the time. So if you didn't go to church, everyone kind of looked down on you. Um, And because that's just the propaganda that was at the time. So anyway, I graduated high school in 94. And Pamela George would have been murdered the year after when I first moved to Calgary. This would have been around the same time as um, Gloria Blackplume, who was murdered here in Calgary. And we have a really awful connection to that. Uh, My husband and I have always been in geomatics, seismic geomatics. My dad was a a boilermaker, so uh, union trades, um, you know, was something I really grew up strong around. Anyway, um, when we moved here, my husband had a job uh, selling survey supplies and the cavalry police were interested in a total station at the time and um, used Gloria Blackplume. Uh, she, like, she wasn't physically there, but the point was is her body was moved and they were trying to survey and use, use the survey to see if that would be something that the cavalry police would purchase for, their, for the work they do. So kind of a super shitty connection there. And at the time, it was such a racist time. Um, well, it's always been racist, but I, I just remember not wanting to out that I had any Indigenous background at all, as if I could. I love that. That That's the best part about being Indigenous. Like, it's so painfully obvious to everybody who's Indigenous. But when you're that person and you're like, oh, no, I'm not Indigenous. And when people mistake you for you know, being Italian or something, you're like really okay with it. Anyway, so stupid. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know whose wool or whose eyes I was trying to cover. Let's put it that way. Anyway, 
Um, so back to Pamela George, you know, young mother murdered, brutally murdered. Uh, the details are online. They're very triggering. I apologize to anybody. Uh, Gloria Blackplume, now I've talked about you and I feel like I need to honor you and your family too. And I, uh, I, I hate that we don't name the victims and that we sometimes know the perpetrators names more. Um, but the irony is you can't find pictures of a lot of the perpetrators like Cindy Gladue's uh, killer. I still can't find a photo of that jerk. I'm sure it's on purpose. Anyway, um, this was a big deal that happened and it's always a big deal and it should always be mourned as such. Like we mourn World War II vets, we mourn um, other people. We need to mourn all of the Indigenous women that have been murdered by by colonialism and by ridiculous men who made choices to kill them. Um, <clears throat> anyway, it's kind of a big deal that the University of Regina wanted to have a conversation about truth and reconciliation and missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit. And then I don't know why they chose Canadian poet George Eliot Clark, but they did. Uh, George Eliot Clark apparently is really renowned poet. I unfortunately, it's so funny. I run a book club, never heard the name before. I, I'm not into poetry at all. So I, uh, I, I didn't know him. I didn't know his name. I've never heard him, heard anything about him. Like, um, there's lots of indigenous leaders that, you know, will come and do a lecture here or whatever. You know, I, I've never heard this name before. So then I seen his face going round and he's clearly black. And um, so, you know, apparently he's black and Métis. There's a debate going on about his Métis uh, status. I don't know anything about that. Um, I'm not a big fan of, you know, this person's not Métis enough. Uh, I'm a status native and it's... You know, internalized racism, internalized colonialism, that's really, really hard to undo. Not everyone's going to get there. And uh, so I have a hard time with this conversation, especially with the 60 scoop and forced uh, um, adoption. You know, a lot of Indigenous people are always searching for who they are and that hole in their heart of who, who am I? So I'm not a big fan on you know, trying to single out if this uh, Elliot George Clark is native enough. But what I can tell you is that there are a lot of strong, strong voices on TRC, on missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and Two-Spirit. And I have never heard of George Elliot Clark somehow being attached to any of that. Um, so I would question, you know, the organizers of the event, how they came to make this particular event. Um, now I did read somewhere that it was like a poet conversation. So maybe their, you know, English department, whatever that looks like, really went out of their way to find a poet. But that said, like I, so many new and upcoming poets even, um, you know, that I, I don't understand. Like when I think of Saskatchewan, I think of, you know, Erica Violet Lee. I think of um, I think there of so many folks that are in that area already that are I don't know more like came from Saskatchewan. I I just don't understand why why they would choose someone that if I seen the headline George Eliot Clark is coming to do a poem I I wouldn't even have an association with this guy. But after this last week, I sure do, and it's not positive one tiny bit. I don't know this man. Um, if it wasn't for like Alicia Elliott on Twitter saying, you know, I've sat on panels with him before, I wouldn't have even believed that anybody knew who this guy was. So anyway, um, it came out, George Elliott Clark has been editing the poems of one of the killers. Poetry by um, Stephen Cumberfield, who apparently has changed his name. And he changed his name because, you know, he only served like half a sentence for killing an Indigenous mother. 
And in Canada, you just get away with that stuff. It's like, well, you know, it, whatever. You just never have real charges. You never have real terms that you have to actually commit to. And you can apparently reinvent yourself. And that's actually what I posted. I said, you know, I hope others see that regardless of a brutally killing an Indigenous mother, a white man can reinvent himself as a poet, be part of an academic conversation instead of actual Indigenous poets, families, vic uh, the victim's family members, or activists, <sighs> and folks that didn't actually kill an Indigenous mother. So it really bothers me. It really bothers me that this man can reinvent himself as some poet. It bothers me that he's been able to strike up a friendship with some, you know, oppressed poet. And, and I say oppressed because if you're black and you're indigenous in Canada, then, you know, I don't care who you are. He, I know he's facing racism every day. And especially for our, uh, in, oh, I don't even know if you guys know this conversation, but in Canada, even the indigenous people have a lot of anti-black sentiment. And I, I'm assuming it's internalized racism. Maybe there's something more that, um, I don't know because I don't, the more, I, I think every person knows, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. <laughs> I'm so that person. Um, so anyway, there is a lot of, uh, anti-black sentiment. And obviously I don't feel that way. The opposite. Um, and in fact, there was a real movement on Twitter to try to promote black voices uh, so that we don't come across as anti-black. So like Desmond Cole, one of my favorite activists, he's going to be putting out a new book, um, Black Lives Matter. Toronto is going to be putting out a book. And uh, there were a couple of threads I promoted because there was a great long list of, you know, black Canadian authors that put out some really great books that would be great to read. So I really encourage folks to, you know, find find those names and read them. Obviously for me, like I've never even heard of Georgia Elliott Clark. I'm not big into poetry, but yeah, I'm sure there must be something worth reading that um, would be good for my book club. Although I'm pretty tainted at this point. I don't know if I would recommend him. Um, anyway, anyway, so back to the back to all of this so pamela george's killer stephen has become a new poet and george elliot clark was going to read some of his poems at this you know event and the indigenous community lost it understandably i'm sure everybody out there can understand why this would be upsetting um and it wasn't until the victim's daughter like Pamela George's daughter actually spoke out and said how awful and painful this is. <sighs> the University of Regina totally was like not going to cancel this. It wasn't until George Eliot Clark said, I'm not going to do this lecture that finally kind of, okay, we can stop fighting this fight. Like, I don't know more even put out a petition. Of course I signed it. Um, I was shocked that we had to get to this point at all. I think most people in the Indigenous community were also shocked that we had to get to this point. There's been no apology from, you know, the University of Regina. Um, I, I, I don't know if I could live with myself knowing that I hurt, further traumatized in any way, shape, or form, families of missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, um, two-spirit, even boys. Like, here, I'm neighbors with uh, Jimmy Crochet and uh, Colton Crochet. Colton Crochu was found killed just in my neighborhood here, and we searched for him for three weeks. That's a whole other episode if you're interested. So anyway, we'll be looking to see if there's more fallout from that. I really hope the University of Regina like sees, sees what they did wrong. And, and this is that bigger conversation that we need to have as Canadians, and how these public education institutions are so racist they don't even understand when they're hurting indigenous people and uh, because they're so pompous they have no they don't give a shit about apologizing to indigenous people yet they have the audacity to talk about look at all the things we're doing for reconciliation so this is where we're at this is the crossroads of canada where you know i i, I have this debate all the time on twitter where it's like only conservatives are racist. And it's like, no, man, all Canadians are racist. They don't even see it. 
They don't even see their own bias against uh, indigenous people, indigenous women. They have no problem attacking Jody wilson Rainbow, uh relentlessly because she's an indigenous woman. They just will not look at their own bias. So anyway, uh, I really hope that the university looks at that. Tonight, there's an event here in Calgary. I'm really excited about. I already gave my $20 minimum donation. Um, you know, there's a... Oh, all right, l let me read to you the event that's happening. It's Racist Garbage, a fundraiser to defend anti-racist critique. Uh, it's happening tonight, 7 to 9 at Community Wise. And um, this is the right this, the description, the write-up. Join us at Community Wise to raise money for Michelle Stewart's Legal Defense Fund and raise awareness about the importance of defending anti-racist critique. Michelle Stewart is being sued for calling a book a racist garbage. Michelle was one of the many community members who voiced their opposition to a book signing event promoting when police come pray, become prey. <laughs> uh-huh. The book is an attempt to exonerate two police officers fired after the freezing death of uh, Neil Stonechild and rewrite the violent history of Starlight Tours. Michelle Stewart is a professor at the University of Regina and a community advocate. Her community advocacy challenges institutional racism, both within the justice system and child welfare. Her academic work looks at police practices, and she also does applied research working with individuals with cognitive disabilities, primarily fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. This e evening will include a screening of the national film broadcast, or N NFB film, uh, Two Worlds Colliding, and Tasha Hubbard uh, did this in 2004 to share the history behind the Starlight Tours the RCMP investigation into the freezing death and the conviction of two constables. <clears throat> so those who may not know what a starlight tour is, is this was, I would argue, common practice all across the country um, because every city has, has their stories of um, the police deciding to be racist because they get away with it because everyone knows you can be racist in Canada. Um, they would just take indigenous people, take him out to the outside of town, um, and in Neil's case, take away his, you know, his coat, his, uh, his shoes in minus 40 weather and conveniently die. So it's, uh, it's happened out here in Calgary. One of our, uh, missing and murdered indigenous women's sisters was a starlight tour and, um, the inquiry actually honored her with uh, funding for a memorial. So, and that's in front of the Great Eagle Casino. There's a beautiful rock with her name on it. And one of her sisters is actually a friend of mine here. So maybe one day we'll have her on the show to talk about that. But, you know, it, it's hard because you can't just ask family members, hey, can we just relive your trauma? That, that's the shittiest thing in the world to possibly do. And even if I could offer money, because I, I don't make any money at this. In fact, the opposite. I'm grateful my husband continues to do this. But if I were to win the lotto, I would love to be able to, you know, uh, make this more of a professional production and, you know, really give healing to that bigger picture of that. If you're going to talk about this on my show, one, I'll pay you. But two, we'll go through mending broken hearts and, you know, try to try to do the best we can with re-traumatized re people talking about their trauma. Anyway, 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 um, Starlight Tours is something that it just seems like no matter where you are in the country, the ind local Indigenous people can tell you stories of the police doing that. Um, many of the women uh, talk about being raped and then left out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and then, you know, being raped on their way to get back into the city. It, like, I can't, I can't stress enough to people that the police are not our friend here in Canada. To non-Indigenous, they're the go-to, obviously. But for Indigenous, that, I don't know if it'll ever be the case, frankly, because it just seems like every single day there's a new conversation to have about, you know, racism that we've experienced by police. 
So um, I, uh, I don't think Michelle Stewart is going to be at tonight's event. But anyway, the, the whole concept is to talk about this and to do a bit of a fundraiser for her. I don't know why the University of Calgary or University of uh, Regina hasn't like just said, no, this is one of our professors. Um, we'll fund her, uh, you know, legal defense fund. Like, I, I, that's why I'm going tonight. I'm like, how is this even a thing? I can't even believe we're having this conversation. Um, this is the one person, like if I talk about how shitty police are, like, who am I? You know, I, I'm political, no question, but I'm not a, a prof. I'm, I don't have that, um, backing that other people have. So I, I, anyway, I'm really excited to learn more tonight and hopefully give you all an update as to how that's going. And that's going to be something I'm going to be watching because, <clears throat> you know, people, especially white people are like, oh my God, I can't say nothing anymore. Oh my God, everybody's got to say everything perfect. Otherwise we're all racist. And it's like, yes, because being kind is so hard. I don't feel sorry for you. Like we're literally dying. Like Neil Stonechild is dead. Um, and I don't mean any disrespect to his family. Uh, when I say that his, these two police officers, they are not dead. So for them to become prey is the most ridiculous, like book I can even think of. To, well, no, Tom Flanagan's really set that bar quite low too. Um, here, here at the university of Calgary, but regardless, they're alive and there's a lot of indigenous that are not so much so it's written as a genocide in the in the inquiry report so for people to say that police are the the victims here i i can't even i can't even how can anyone justify at all doing that to a human being ever like there's no justification um but police do it here in canada and they continue to do it and I'm telling you, if you're listening to me internationally, you know, we go to the UN to the, for these things. And who has more clout? Everyone thinks Justin Trudeau is like the best guy ever. Well, we were all speaking out during Stephen Harper's time. And we couldn't seem to get any, like, traction there. I don't understand why this is allowed, especially in a so-called first world country. Indigenous people don't have clean drinking water. We don't have economic opportunities. We live under the Indian Act. If it was a Jew Act or a Black Act, I'm sure you'd be upset about it. But it's Peachy Keen being the Indian Act. That's how, you know, racism works, that it's so normalized here. Um, so anyway, perfectly okay to kill Indigenous people. People get away with it all the time, and it's not okay. Anyway, Michelle Stewart's trying to speak out about it. She's getting sued. Other people who talk about racism are getting sued by the people who have the wealth, who have the money, who have the privilege to be able to sue other people for calling people racist. I'm sure it's just a matter of time out here in Calgary until we start seeing more of those as well. But I'm, I am seeing it like all over the country and how people don't see that as its own form of racism, I will never understand. Obviously, they're not speaking out. They're certainly not reaching out to me to talk about let's what are next steps. So, But if you are in Calgary and you listen to this before this, I hope you come out or start following Michelle Stewart and following this racist garbage because I, I just can't even believe Michelle Stewart, a professor at the University of Regina, speaking out about two cops trying to profit making a making books like i haven't even wrote a book for god's sakes anyway anyway good 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 on her keep going i tried friending her on facebook see if that um maybe i can have her on the show and one of the reasons why i'm super excited to go tonight is that if we have a group of people that are actually paying attention enough to know what's happening with Michelle Stewart. I'm hoping that they'll be paying attention enough to talk about the Wet'suwet'en. So uh, for those who follow me on Twitter, you'll see that I try to retweet uh, on a regular basis uh, anything happening down at the Unistoten camp, um, obviously in strong support of the Wet'suwet'en. 
Um, we talked all through the year about the protests that we had here on January 7th. Uh, I just remember January 4th. So yesterday was my birthday. And I remember last year being really upset at all of the police that were... <clears throat> um, all of the police that were forming right around there and we knew what was going to happen and sure enough they violently targeted the people there and this were grandmothers mothers and and children armed with nothing but eagle feathers and drums and the rcmp with their full tactical outfits you know um ripped down their their barrier and attacked and arrested a ton of the people that were just living on their land literally living on their land um anyway as a result all year there's been people in the courts over it um i've been sharing for a year their legal defense fund link uh their tweets encouraging people to pay attention to what's happening there today right now um the wasutuan evicted all of the um pipeline workers told them to get out they did peacefully and the uh, pipeline workers left peacefully and the RCMP have moved in so very clearly we are going to get a repeat and as a result the Unistoten camp actually um, put out there that you know we have an ally toolkit and they want us to be doing all of the things in that ally toolkit, um, having fundraisers. I can't even believe this needs to be said, but for example, they said that uh, um, don't have things that you profit from. And I, I'm really, really offended by that, that what happened in order for them to have to do that? Because you know somebody somewhere broke a rule that they had to put that on there. So somebody somewhere made money off of this movement and didn't give it back to them. And I, you know, I, I've always worried about doing a fundraiser because of uh, transparency. Because I, I, I understand where it comes from, where an organizer is like, you know, I'm just going to take some. And that, that, of course, always bothers me. Um, when people, uh, I don't I benefit, I don't know how you can benefit from it. I know for me, I have not benefited one bit. Um, we had a, and I've talked about this in many pod podcasts, but this may be the only one you, you listen to, but you know, we had a, a protest downtown Calgary at noon hour when I knew there would be lots of oil and gas workers right in front of Trans Canada TC. And we talked about, you know, violence against Indigenous people. And here in Calgary, it's a big, you know, thing to do pro-oil and gas rallies. We have people that are constantly um, wearing these bumper stickers and t-shirts that say, uh, you know, I love oil and gas. And so if there's one place to really, it's a hard place to have that rally, it's here. And I had two rows of cops between <clears throat> me and uh, the other pro oil and gas people. And it was, it was traumatizing, but I'd, I'd take that. I'm, my house isn't being, you know, trampled into because of a uh, pipeline. And I, and, and for me too, I think it's partly because I used to draft wells and pipelines that, you know, I, when you're, when you're drafting wells and pipelines, you don't understand the ramifications of that um from my point of view i'm always I, I was always doing it on consenting farmers lands now that's taking away that bigger picture that you know that's still stolen lands off of indigenous people but we're not even ready to have that conversation yet um here in alberta we have so many abandoned um wells and pipelines now that we're talking about you know in the billions of unreclaimed um, well sites that need to be reclaimed. <clears throat> anyway, the Wet'suwet'en people, um, you know, these are, I, I don't understand how people don't understand this concept yet, but just because the Indian Act is imposed doesn't mean that Indigenous law is superseded. 
that's the whole point of the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People is that these colonial like courts, these colonial laws, they don't respect Indigenous rights. They don't respect natural laws, never have. And that's why we have right now um, Australia is on fire because like colonialism has never respected natural law. And as a result, we end up with a whole continent on frickin' fire. Um, and they, they say half a billion animals are dead. And people are sharing, you know, pictures. Koala bears and uh, kangaroos. And, and it's hard. It's hard because, you know, here the caribou are being killed by the energy development. And um, all the buffalo were killed for to starve and kill the natives and be able to manage the the cows and for the colonizers and you know this is the state of the world is that you just kill the natural um inhabitants and then that way you can own the land and that's happened globally now and now our world is you know in the middle of a climate cra- a climate crisis <laughs> And um, even with the, you know, UN Sustainable Development Goals, we're still talking about uh, people who don't understand that bigger picture of if you just give the rights back to Indigenous people, then you will achieve your Sustainable Development Goals. But it's back to that engineers and educated people who come from these institutions like the University of Regina, who believe they know best and they don't want to give their rights back to Indigenous people. So anyway, here we have the Unistotan trying to fight <clears throat> to keep their lands, to try to keep them clean. Um, you know, they, they depend on that water. They depend on all of the plants in that area. And, uh, and at the end of the day, colonizers don't understand that. And you can work with Indian Act, you know, elected chiefs and councils. But those are still government, like, that's mandated through the government of Canada. That's not, it's not natural law. It's not Indigenous law. It doesn't respect the people. So when we talk about consent, you know, if you're not getting the consent of hereditary chiefs, then you actually don't have consent. And you have a group of people who live there that you're purposely destroying their homes and their, and their territory. Like, I don't know how people feel good about that. I don't know. Because I know I, d- I can't go back to drafting wells and pipelines. No way. How can I do that? How I can't go back to drafting unless I know the work that we're doing is reclaiming like old wells and pipelines. I know that. Um, that's the only way I could go back to the industry. And I've, I've thought about it because like, you know, like there, anyway, 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 um, Please pay attention to what's happening with Unistotin. Uh, the RCMP are gathering once again. So this could become an annual thing where every every January 7th, they just invade Unistotin people and traumatize them over and over again with the consent of the courts because that's the way colonialism works is that colonial courts are going to absolutely back colonialism and uh, colonial uh, thugs like the RCMP are totally going to uphold that law even though it doesn't, like, back to that um, conversation that we had a year ago, <clears throat> Delgumguk uh, is a Supreme Court case uh, that happened in 97 that talked about Indigenous rights. In 97, so this new, you know, BC Supreme Court decision, well, <laughs> you're trampling over the rights. But this is a great thing about colonial law. They can somehow pinpoint it so that they are, are, you know, splitting hairs over stupid points. That's colonial law. Anyway, please pay attention to them. Please support them. Um, you know, uh, Jen Wickham uh, last year as well as this year are, are the media coordinators. Um, there's always a media blackout around them. So if you are media, get over there. The RCMP may try to keep you out, but stand your ground. Be the media. And... Um, and tell the story about what's really happening there. So I'm trying to follow folks on that, and I, I'm going to be telling the people tonight at the Michelle Stewart event about what's happening at Utah Stoughton. I'm hoping that 
there will be some cross-collaboration about what to do next, because I'm not even too sure who's organizing this Michelle Stewart event. Anyway, anyway, it's amazing how quickly I feel like I can ramble on and an hour goes by. So thank you all for listening to me because I probably could keep rambling on. Um, and the fact is you're still downloading, you're still listening, and I appreciate that. Love to hear more from you all. Indigenous have been talking about the issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, and public hearings just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor the words. Honor the treaties. Listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with Gender Equity Plus, if they're cutting violence prevention programs and services, cutting Indigenous education, cutting uh, you, you know uterus health choices, cutting Gay-Straight Alliance... Um, know your vote is to that party is directly negatively impacting marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, which I went through quite intensely last um, podcast, violence prevention programs. Um, now there's 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit. Denying those forms or reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same things. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they do not understand colonialism, racism, privilege, and sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties, all local politicians, community organizations, sports, etc. A great episode. I um, talked in, what, 62? I talked about this really great um, article. Truth Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous Canadians Become Allies. Violence is just my daily reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming without gaslighting questions because so many people don't want to hear indigenous opinion but sure as hell want to tell us theirs usually by people who know nothing about indigenous people know nothing about colonialism know nothing about the constant surveillance of indigenous people our protests our vigils and our rights um typical microaggressions from people dealing with internalized racism and i just want to give a shout out to uh the Indigenous community for the loss of Kelly Frazier. Um, She committed suicide on Christmas Eve and uh, a victim of relentless bullying. And uh, I'm having a hard time with this. I didn't know who she really was. Started to see some of the documentaries that people were sharing. Beautiful, beautiful woman. Somebody said that she was like the star on earth like a a legitimate star and I I understand what they're saying she was a really incredible artist um but I I am I I don't I just want to throw out all of my love to her family her actual friends and the community members that are really hurt by all of that because uh like I talk about internalized racism and just have this line typical microaggressions people dealing with internalized racism the gravity of that one line is social cased in Kelly Frazier's passing. And, um, you know, I, I think I even just, just now used the term committed suicide. Um, I want to throw this out there when I talk about unlearning, it's such an awful term and I apologize to her family for even saying it. Uh, for those who don't understand why I would say that is that, uh, Suicide is actually criminalized. I don't know how they're going to prosecute that, but um, one of the reasons why a lot of activists are trying to change the terminology around suicide is to destigmatize it. So even that term that I just said is wrong. So saying, you know, death by suicide is even a better way to say it, but even a better, better way to say it, because I'm talking about internalized racism talking about that lateral violence um you know we're 
I don't think people understand, like even my, my podcast doesn't get promoted by the so-called leaders. In fact, the opposite. I remember one Easter, I've had the so-called leaders say to all the others who have these like incredible platforms, you know, block Michelle Robinson and block native Calgarian because I don't know, I don't, I don't whatever enough in their mind, whatever it was they were attacking me for. Um, which sucks because, uh, you know, you have a platform and you use it in such a horrible, horrible way. Like that is internalized racism. And this, this young star, Kelly Frazier, she got that a billion times worse than I ever could because she was like on the red carpet. She was doing the good work of talking about what I talk about, but uh, on a louder platform and people heard her because she was being showcased in, in the arts community and that. And I, I'm 43, I just turned 43 and she was just a kid. Um, and it, it, it breaks me to know how hard we are on each other as Indigenous people, that she just had enough. She had enough of this. I don't blame her. I don't blame her one bit. I, I honor her. I think that, uh, she, she did great of trying to talk about all of these things on a regular basis, using her platform in such a good way. Um, I'm going to tell you Edmonton Eskimo fans, one of her last tweets was calling out the racism of Edmonton Eskimo and, and that name. Change the name. This is the very least you could do to honor this little Anuk, who is amazing. Um, so when I talk about internalized racism, like I had somebody post the other day on my wall, uh, Show me your white card, because I'd sure like it. Obviously a native person. And, uh, you know, I, I get it all the time, too. And I don't even have a real platform like other people. And uh, I feel awful for Kelly Frazier's family. Um, there was a funeral uh, fund, like a GoFundMe. Um, it did well. I shared it, but I just, it'll never be enough. How do you, I don't know it'll never be enough. And I, it's hard for me because, you know, I was at one of the liberal policy conventions or our policy from the indigenous people's commission, which is an arm of the liberal party. Our policy was solely on youth suicide in the indigenous community. And I just know there hasn't been enough done on that. And I don't, I just don't know if colonial Canada gives a shit enough to understand what I'm talking about here um, when it comes to in internalized racism. And the reason why this happens is that uh, when you're a when you're an oppressed group of people, when somebody starts doing well, uh, you start kind of attacking that person. And that's what was happening to her at a really young age. She was, you know, I guess she was singing Rihanna or something in, in her language. And everybody thought, if this this is how we re you know inspire the youth to sing their language is is this way and i i don't know i don't know what to say other than i'm sorry to her family i i wish in the you know 70 episodes that i've done something would click in our community for us to quit attacking each other but we don't and continue and then this whole you know, George Elliot Clark thing happened and it took him a while to figure out what was happening before he would even step down from it. And he, he comes from like, if he's both black and indigenous, he comes from two marginalized groups of people here in Canada. Um, I don't know what the right answers are for everything. I just know that he should have known better than to be, you know, collaborating with a murderer of an indigenous mother but he also should have called us a hell of a lot sooner i can't even believe it um anyway and then here we have this little anuk who felt she couldn't deal with this colonialism anymore it is overwhelming at times and uh 
and, and we just we just don't have enough resources to help people through this and I know one of the reasons why I talk about the hope for wellness helpline is that you know my generation I'm old I I don't do TikToks well I anything like that I don't know how to do that but um I do know how to pick up a phone and the hope for wellness um website has like a text area where you can text because then the the younger generation that's how they communicate so anyway I I just to our youth I wish you knew how much you mattered especially to me you give me hope but also to our people when you attack each other like that you're sending a, a message to our youth that it's okay to treat each other like that because the colonial government treats us shitty, so we should treat each other shitty. Nope, that's not okay. One of my daughter's first, like, uh, you know, breakdowns of a relationship, she was internet bullied. Um, that's that's a reality from our own people. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I, I don't know how to get people to see Behaving like the colonizer isn't helping anybody. Um, so in the meantime, you know, I just want Native youth to know whether you're, you're Inuit, whether you're Métis, we're supposed to be helping you. We want to help you. I wish I could help everybody. I don't know how to. This is one of my only ways to be able to. And, you know, for me... Being able to have our Carly on talking about am I native enough? To me, that's that conversation about internalized racism. I would love to know if you got anything from it. I'd love to know if these, you know, you matter, we matter videos, if they they help. Um, I wish I wish I knew how to connect and help everybody, but I don't. You know, I can promote white bias in societies, mending broken hearts programs. I want everyone to take that if you're indigenous. Um, I just wish you knew how much you matter to me and how much your voice matters to me. And uh, anyway, just trying to have this conversation about internalized racism is a hard one, but it's an everyday reality for indigenous people. Um, it's, that's why I needed this podcast. I hope I kind of articulated all of that there. Uh, as always, encourage cultural safety. You can Google it. There's some really great pictures out there now that actually like showcase it in a comic way, you know, do's and don'ts for bystander intervention. You know, just be safe out there, people. If you're experiencing emotional distress and want to talk, call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll-free and open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom, and what strength looks like through your example. I want to say thank you to my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and roots and stepping up to teach me to be a proud Calgarian. It's through her. I'm a second-generation proud Calgarian. I want to say thank you to my husband for producing and editing this show. On top of being my husband, my childhood friend, the father of our child, he's been my support down this journey. He's witnessed decades of racism and sexism to our child, who we are blessed to learn from daily. I wish you knew how honored we are that you chose us. I only do this for you. You give me daily accountability to be a stronger and a better person. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. I want to say thank you to Adam and Alexandria, Beatrice and Brian, Celine, Diana, Jocelyn, Judy, Kenna, Leah, Marisa, Natalie, Nathan, Phyllis, Rebecca, The Sprawl, Tiffany, Vanessa, Veronica. Thank you all for signing up and being with me on this journey. If you did one donation or had many and had to quit for financial reasons, please know I appreciate your support. If you value listening can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give but listen in, love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com. Send in your comments and your questions. 
We were also at iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Thank you to everybody. Um, I appreciate the kindness. Uh, Leah Langener once said that if your podcast is a blend of self-empowerment and healing for you, then it is propelled into the sound waves as I feel them here. And I want to end by saying, you Calgary rabbits, you're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin would respond, or you'd be in my dish. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. Till next time.